Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Good morning. My name's Austin Vondercheck. I'm one of the pastors here at Rosewood Church. It is great to see y'all here today. Uh, if you have not been with us or it's been a while, uh, we are in a series on the Gospel of Luke. Uh, though, if you've been here, you know that we haven't hit every single story of Luke. We haven't read every line of Luke. What we've done is we've kind of worked our way through, uh, stopping at different points that helps us understand this phrase, Jesus for everyone. Uh, that Jesus truly is for everyone. And when we say everyone, just how broad do we mean? Well, through this series, we've seen just how expansive God's love and grace is for all people. And, you know, every story we've looked at has its own lesson, has its own teaching, but also there's this wider, larger teaching that we've seen as we've gone through Luke, as we've looked at the testimony of, of Luke in his own words, and, and we see just how much Jesus is for everyone. Uh, and as I was writing today's message, uh, which is on the character of Zacchaeus, as we finish up today, uh, as I was thinking about Zacchaeus, there was one thing that kind of came to my mind, uh, which is uh, Disney Fast Pass. You ever heard of it? <laughs> yeah, Disney Fast. Okay, so um, I, I've never been to Disney World or Disneyland or whatever they're called, Universal, anything. I haven't been to any of those places. I grew up in Iowa. We don't go outside of that area very much. And I heard about this idea of Disney Fast Pass, and it was like literally, I, I can't imagine anything that I would dislike more than Disney Fast Pass. I have a real issue with people cutting in line. I, I don't know if it was like something in high school or middle school with, you know, in line at the cafeteria, people, I, 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 don't, I don't know, but I can't stand it. If you cut me off in traffic, here's the first thing that goes through my mind. It's not a good thing, don't learn from me. Uh, it, it's like, could I hit them and not get caught? Because it just, oh my gosh. I just do not like being cut off. Here's my fantasy. Somebody cuts me off and a police officer sees them and pulls them over. Would make me, never would I be happier than having that experience. I do not like being cut off. But here's the thing that I don't like more than someone cutting me off illegally is when someone can cut another person off legally and it's okay. And that's what Disney Fast Pass is. If you have the money, you can go to Disney World and skip every single line and go right to the front if you have enough money. And it leaves all of us simpletons behind and waiting in a 90-minute line for a ride. That's how it works. So I looked it up before this message, and it turns out Disney Fast Pass is dead. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bad news? It's been replaced with Disney Genie Plus which basically operates the same way. It's, uh, well, it, it accomplishes the th same thing. It just operates in a little different way. So you get to cut people off, and it's totally okay. Just call me a justice warrior. I, I don't know. But 
The, the point is, though, that when it comes to justice, seeking justice, we love justice. We all do. I love justice. Until justice gets turned against us. And then we beg for grace. Justice is great when it's applied to other people, when it's applied to people who wrong us, people who do things that we don't like. But when it comes upon, when it, when it comes upon us and gets turned the other way, well, then we would much rather have grace, right? We'd rather be shown grace and not, not justice. And, you know, today we're going to be looking at, at someone who receives mercy, someone who's not deserving yet still receives this mercy and this grace from Jesus. And, and I think there's this little part of us that's, that's going to be bothered by that. And that's part of what we're going to explore today. Now, if you think that I'm being petty about Disney, you're right. I am. So just imagine how it would be if this kind of pettiness ended up in our theology or our faith. It can. It has. Let's read the story of Zacchaeus, the unfair story of Zacchaeus. From Luke 19, 1 to 10. It says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to, uh, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four, four times the amount. Jesus said, today salvation has come into this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Now, if you grew up in a church environment, especially if you were a kid, uh, you probably learned a little jingle. Uh, the greatest Sunday school ballad that was ever written <laughs> is all about Zacchaeus. The lines are going to be coming up here on the screen. Please... <laughs> Sing it with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. That's great. This is for you. That was fantastic. Great job. And some of you, you knew the motions and the, all of that. That's that's great. That's great. So, you know, we know this guy. A lot of us, we know Zacchaeus as this short, little, curious man. But that's really superficial knowledge. There's so much more to Zacchaeus. I mean, first off, let's look at his job. Now, he's a tax collector. If you've been here for this series, this is not the first time that we've looked at a tax collector. If you've been in churches for a while and heard a lot of sermons, you've heard of tax collectors before. But just kind of some... some overview knowledge of a, of a tax collector. Now, because he's a tax collector, that means that he works for the occupying Roman Empire. Uh, and oftentimes, these individuals who would be tax, cluster, tax collectors would be recruited from within the population that the Roman Empire would occupy. So he is representing the occupying, the, the hated uh, 
power that is there that has taken over this whole Mediterranean region, and he's working for them. So that's strike one. Uh, The second strike is that being a tax collector basically means that you have to be an extortionist to get by, because what you would do is, okay, let's say that you owe $1,000, and I'm a tax collector. I would come to your house and say, taxes are due. You owe $2,000 $2,000 for your taxes. And then you, there might be a little bit of negotiation back and forth, and let's say at the end you decide, it, we agree that you will pay 1500 Now, you don't know how much your taxes actually are. That's part of the game. So I take that $1,500, $1,000 goes to the powers that be, 500 pocket. That's how I make my money. And then I move on to the next house. So, strike number two. Strike number three He said he's a chief tax collector. So he not only is one, but he oversees a whole group of them, a region of tax collectors. And as a result, you know, tax collecting was a pretty wealthy gig to have. Being a chief tax collector meant that you made even more money. So he's extremely wealthy in terms of financially, but in terms of friends, you wouldn't have had any. You would have been a lonely person if you were a tax collector, much less a chief tax collector. But knowing all of this about Zacchaeus, verse 3 should strike us as incredibly surprising. He says, he wanted to see who Jesus was. So just think about that. This is a man who very likely, because of the treatment of because of the treatment he received, because of what he did, he would have very likely have been a, a jaded man. On the outside, he would have been hard and calloused and, and kind of spiky. But yet, on the inside, we see a certain kind of softness or maybe even emptiness. This, this yearning that he has in order to see, just see this person, Jesus. This person whose reputation precedes him. He just wants the opportunity to see Jesus. There's a modern social code about two things you don't talk about in public. What are they? Politics and religion. That's right. Don't talk about politics and religion. Here's the thing. Uh, That's just not true. At least not for the second in terms of religion. I I know a lot of of Christians out there nowadays that are just kind of ringing the the alarm bells of the lack of spiritual interest in our world. More specifically, it's really not world, but but more specifically in the United States, that there's this this lack of of spiritual interest, this waning spiritual interest in our current age. And, And I just want to go on record that I adamantly disagree with that. That there is not so much this waning spiritual interest as there is, it just looks very different these days. I believe that we are living in one of the most spiritually interested times in history. People are hungry for spiritual insight that is bigger than themselves. Something that's out there. In fact, statistically, statistically, in terms of, um, I'm not talking in terms of number of people, I'm talking about percentage here. Right now in the United States, percentage-wise, there are fewer professing atheists than we've seen in an extremely long time. And there are more professing agnostics than ever before. Meaning that fewer people than, than any time in recent history, fewer people believe there's nothing out there. Fewer people believe there is no God, no divine thing, no first movement, nothing. 
but more people than ever before do not know what that divine power or that God or that thing is. Fewer people than ever before believe there's nothing. More people than ever before believe there's something and don't know the name. Our world is spiritually curious and gracious to a variety of beliefs. People don't react negatively to spiritual and religious conversations uh, when they're taken politely with an understanding ear. You'll find an audience of modern day Zacchaeuses out there. If you start to ask the questions and open up with people, you will find that there are many people out there who are gracious and kind, who are seeking answers and wondering what is out there, believing in their heart, uh, kind of like in in the words of of Solomon in in Ecclesiastes, that, that within all of us, eternity is built into our hearts. Well, for some of us, we don't know what that eternity is, what that divine is. Religion is not out of bounds these days. It truly is welcomed. Now, I wonder how many people are around us every day, how many people that you and I interact with on a regular basis who are like these modern-day Zacchaeuses, people with this burning desire to see Jesus or to see something real or to put a name to this idea of the God or divine thing that they have in their minds. Zacchaeus desperately wanted to see Jesus, but something stood in his way. Quite literally, what stood in his way was the crowd. He was too short. He couldn't see A bunch of really great upstanding religious people stood in the way of Zacchaeus in order to see Jesus. And sometimes what people really need in order to to see Jesus is for us to get out of the way. Get out of our own way, get out of their way. To hold off our judgments and our fire and our brimstone so that we don't end up positioning, posturing ourselves as if we stand tall, as if we have it all figured out and leaving other people's feelings spiritually small like Zacchaeus. It's a tragedy when our good God is made to look bad just because of the way that other Christians treat and talk about people that God loves. Now, it's not not like you and I have it all figured out, right? It's not like we don't have questions. It's not like we don't need Jesus, and it's not like we don't fall short ourselves. And one thing that no one needs, not any of us here, not any of us outside of here, nothing what we don't need is one more self-righteous Christian who believes that it's their place to decide who's deserving to see Jesus and who is not. But all of this is not why Zacchaeus made it into the best-selling book that's ever been written. Let's look at what he did next. It says that Zacchaeus, so he, he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Now, uh, what stands out in this is nothing that is really new to us. It would still stand out today. Let's say, for instance, you leave here and you see a man dressed to the nine in an Armani suit and he's running down the sidewalk. What are you going to think? You're going to think first, probably, what's he running from? But then after you realize he's not running from anything, you're going to start to wonder, what is he running 
too. And then let's say that you see that man dressed in Armani and he climbs a tree. Now you're really wondering what's going on. What could possibly be going on? That's basically the scene that we have here. There's not this huge gap in culture that that makes this seem different to other people. This would have been a a, a spectacle to see Zacchaeus climbing a tree and running about. This would have been something where you would have gone home that night and said to your spouse, do you want to know what I saw today? Zacchaeus running and climbing a tree. And your spouse, Zacchaeus, the guy that lives up on the hill? Yeah, that Zacchaeus is out running and climbing a tree. This was weird. This was very, very Strange. It wasn't socially acceptable for a person to do this. It would have been utterly embarrassing for Zacchaeus. People would tell stories, but he was still willing to do it. Yet think about this. This is a man who's willing to risk his reputation just for the opportunity to see Jesus. And he's just a seeker. He doesn't understand Jesus yet as the Messiah, as his Lord and Savior. I mean, how, how many Christians today wouldn't be willing to sacrifice as much as Zacchaeus did that day in order to just get a glimpse at who Jesus was? Yet the beautiful irony of Jesus' love is that Zacchaeus' efforts ultimately would not even compare to the efforts that Jesus would go through for him, you see, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus climbed a tree. Jesus would eventually climb a cross. Zacchaeus would sacrifice his dignity. Jesus would be ridiculed until the point where he died a humiliating, suffering death. And as a result, Zacchaeus saw Jesus, and Jesus saved Zacchaeus. You are not saved by your effort. You are saved by grace through faith. You are saved by Jesus' effort. But the beautiful thing about a relationship with Christ is that every effort that we do put in to see Jesus, to be with Jesus, Jesus will make an even greater effort in return and has already made a greater effort to be in a relationship with you. No matter how much you want God, just know that, that God wants you more. No matter how much you're willing to do for God, God has done more. No matter how much you love Jesus, his love has already been made complete and perfect. In fact, even your desire to know God is an indication that he already desires you. And then to to everyone's surprise, back to this story, to everyone's surprise, the one person that Jesus notices out of all of the people who are there is the person who is by far the least deserving to be pointed out like Jesus. And not only that, not only does Jesus point and, and call Zacchaeus down, but he calls Zacchaeus by name. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. My parents always, they raised me with a rule. The rule was, you don't invite yourself over to someone else's house. You, You wait for them to invite you or you invite them to your house. And I think that's a pretty good rule. 
But apparently Jesus didn't listen to my mama because he goes and he invites himself over to Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus is not, he's not offended by any means. He's over the moon. He can't believe it. Zacchaeus came to see Jesus. Now he gets to spend time with him. Out of all of the people there, all of the people who are in his way, Jesus has pointed to Zacchaeus, said his name and said, I want to come to your house. And of course, he's so excited, but the crowd, the crowd is not. All of these people that Zacchaeus couldn't see over, all the people that beat Zacchaeus that day to the side of the street in order to stand and watch Jesus come by, they're all mad. And you know what? If that was you and if it were me, I think that we would also be kind of upset because here it is, this traitor, this traitor that works for the occupying Roman Empire, this traitor who lives up on the hill because he extorted you just got called to meet with Jesus. He doesn't deserve it. We wouldn't want that unless we were Zacchaeus. And that's the point. Verse 7 says, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. You and I would probably be muttering too. But that's the point. Grace is the gift that everybody wants, but not everyone wants to give or even see another person receive as if grace is some, in some sort of scarcity where if a person receives it, it means that we receive less. But perhaps we'd be better off if we didn't find ourselves wanting to mutter when another person receives the grace of Christ and instead enjoyed the fact that we have all been Zacchaeus at some point and we have all received the grace of Christ when we were undeserving as well. All that Zacchaeus received that day, it's such a short interaction, but, but all that Zacchaeus received before he said what he said about giving everything away, all he received was Jesus' grace, just the opportunity to, to, to be with him, nothing separating, just to be with him. No sermon, no stern talking to, no hot seat. And then he commits to paying back every crooked dollar that he made uh, during his time as a tax collector. See, that's what happens when I think that, that God's grace meets our humility. When God's grace meets our humility, we, real, we find that real change occurs. Not, not through shame, not through pressure, not through peer pressure, nothing like that. Simply through the unadulterated, perfect grace of of Christ, when we receive that, and that grace meets a humble heart, change occurs. By grace, God points up to Zacchaeus, and he invites himself in, and he brings the most undeserving person who's there that day to this parade to watch Jesus go past. The most undeserving person is the one who gets to go from the back of the line up to the front. It's Zacchaeus who re receives this fast pass, genie plus, whatever. He's the one who gets to move from the back to the front. The only intention he deserves is a wag of the finger, but instead Jesus shows him grace because grace is most meaningful to the least deserving. The least deserving are often the ones who realize just how valuable 
grace truly is. And just like that fast pass, we all don't like it unless we have it. Then it's pretty great. But don't, don't miss that what Jesus did for Zacchaeus that day, Jesus also says that he'll do for you, for, for any of us. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person. That Jesus will come in and have a relationship with you, have fellowship with you. And that's what Jesus did for Zacchaeus, and that's what Jesus will do for any of us. If you're here today, or you're listening online or watching, wherever you are, whenever it is, Know that if you feel that pull of the soul, if you hear that, that knock on the door, that's Jesus making the first move towards you. If you feel that in your heart, that there's something real that's there knocking on the door, that there's something real there pulling you towards something that's new, that's refreshing, that's full of grace and full of love, that is Jesus. And if that's you, the response is to open that door, to go with that pole of the soul, and to respond in prayer. And if you need some help even praying that prayer, you're like, I don't even know how to, how, how do you even, I want to pray with you. And then after service, if you're here and you pray this prayer for the very first time, you've never done it before, you pray it for the very first time, please, as everyone heads that way, come this way. I want to talk with you. I want to celebrate with you, ask you a couple questions. If you're online, please reach out, uh, reach out to us. Let us celebrate with you. Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you for bringing us from the back of the line up to the front. God, in your mercy, in your grace, you do not give us what we deserve. What we deserve is distance from you. God's sin separates us from you, from the love of the Father. But Jesus, you, through your sacrifice on the cross, made a way so that we, by faith, would receive this grace, this love. We'd be called a child of the Father, a child of God. And so Jesus, I invite you in. I open that door where you knock. I go with that pole that, you, that you've been tugging on my heart with. And Jesus, I commit and I promise that you are my Savior. And God, it will take the rest of my life to understand what that truly means. In fact, even more than that. But Jesus, in this moment, I know that I'm speaking with someone who hears me, who's there for me. And God, I believe. And I love you. Guide my life, lead my life through your spirit so that I can live this fresh life this new life that is governed by grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.